I want to start at verse 5. I'm going to read through verse 25, and then I'm going to skip over to verse 57 and read through verse 80. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the law of, blame, of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And, behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, till the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that they tarried so long in the temple, when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. It came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Verse, drop away verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time was come that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son, and her neighbors, her cousins, heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias, after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table, and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loose, and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost, and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since before the world, since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, 
that he would grant unto us, that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare thy ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, and was in the deserts till the day of a showing unto Israel. Titled this message, Zacharias, the Testimony of a Godly Man. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege is ours to be gathered here this morning. Thank you for your love and your mercies to us. Thank you, Father, for your word. And pray pray as we look into the word of God this morning that we'd be encouraged and challenged and helped in our walk with the Lord. And Lord, if we pray there be any in our midst who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, I pray that the Spirit of God work in their hearts, bring them through repentance and faith. May you be glorified in all that's done, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Zacharias and Elizabeth, of course, the Bible tells us they were both righteous, walking in the, in the commandments and ordinance of the Lord. They were blameless. They were godly people. But they were human beings, just like you and I. Uh, and I want to look this morning as we think as to consider this man, Zacharias, who of course was the father of John the Baptist. There are three things I want to notice about him. First of all, the character of the man. Then number two, the confusion of doubt. And number three, the confession of Zacharias. First of all, the character of the man. Verse six tells us they were both righteous. Of course, speaking of him and his wife, Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. So, you know, much like Job of the Old Testament, God gives a testimony concerning this man and his wife, Zacharias, that they were righteous before God. Uh, they, they were, you know, positionally, we would say, positionally, they had received the righteousness of God by faith. Uh, Romans chapter 3 and verses 19. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19 uh, through 23 talks about this, this righteousness which is imputed to us, where it says, Now we know that what things saith the law, saith it to, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in this sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference. So we see here that, that the righteousness of God is received by faith, and there is no difference. Uh, uh, it's all Jew, and of course it goes on and talks about Jew and Gentile. So there is no difference. You know, they acknowledge their guilt, and of course, in, 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 we'll get to a little bit later, in his confession... You know, he talks about the salvation by the remission of their sins. Um, so through repentance, you know, by repentance, acknowledging his sin, and he had received by faith the Savior that was to come. So he had received of the righteousness of God like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before him. Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made 
the righteousness of God in him. So, positionally, he was righteous in the sight of God. He, he had acknowledged his, his sin, his need of a Savior, and therefore declared righteous. He was justified, we would say. That's a good Bible word. But as a person, but also as a person, he was a righteous man. And this is talking about his practical living. In verse 6, the end of that verse says, Walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So he was, you know, he, he lived a life that pleased and honored the Lord. He had practical righteousness, we would say. It says he was blameless. That means he was faultless or he was free from defect in his life. He was a godly man. Him and Elizabeth both were godly people. You know, God wants us not only to, to be justified, to be declared righteous, but he wants us to be righteous, to live righteous. To live in a way that pleases and honors. To be without censure is the idea here of the word blameless. You know, James 5.16 tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A righteous man. In other words, a man that lives to please and honor the Lord. And as you think about Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were told, and I believe this was characteristic of their life, that, you know, that, about John the Baptist of this child, he's not to drink any alcohol. There is to be purity of life. You know, again, these are the kinds of people that have God's ear. They're righteous. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, speaking about Noah, said, The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. See, Noah, even in that midst of that wicked, wicked uh, generation, where every man did that which is evil in his own eyes, every man did that which, uh, everything was evil, the only, the imagination of his heart was only evil continually, God. That was a testimony of the people at that time. Everything was evil. And there was Noah who stuck out like a sore thumb. And God said, I have seen thee righteous in this generation. In Ezekiel 14, 14, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, if they should deliver but their own souls by, notice, their righteousness, saith the Lord God. And again, Ezekiel 14, 20, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall de- but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. So, not only was he, as we see the character of this man, he was positionally here, he's declared righteous by God, but, but in his person, he was a righteous, godly man. His day living was that which pleased and honored the Lord. But I want you to notice the second thing, the confusion of doubt. Though Zacharias was a godly man. He's not without fault. In verse 18, it says, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken years. No, they're too old to have children. They're like Abraham and Sarah. They're past childbearing age. They had prayed. It's evident they had prayed for years for a child, because he says, Thy prayer is heard. But he believed they were too, they were too old. How? You know, how can this be? And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and have sent to speak unto thee, 
and to show thee these glad things. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And so think about this confusion of doubt that comes upon Zacharias, this godly man. I want you to notice, or think about several things. First of all, the potential for doubt. There is always the potential for such a response or attitude when we consider that, that God can do the miraculous. And his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, God sees the end from the beginning. We see the present. God sees the end from the beginning. We see only the present with the eye. Is it not true that Eve doubted God? God's word. Abraham and Sarah, did they not doubt God's word? Did Job understand God's ways? Job 26.14, he said, Lo, these are the parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? And then in Job 42, 2 and 3, he said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful wonderful for me, which I knew not. See, Job didn't really understand why he was going through what he was. He didn't understand God's ways. Isaiah 55, 9 reminds us, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 40, 13, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? Romans eleven thirty four, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? You know, there are just some times we do not understand God's ways. But we need to accept it. But he will not force himself or his will on us. And so there's always the potential for doubt in our life. That's everyday life. That's us human beings. That's, every, that's, that's where we live. It happens to the best of us, even a godly man like Zacharias. But I want you to notice, secondly, the price of doubt. Verse 19 it says, And the angel answering said, I am Gabriel. You know, it's not like God sent an unnamed or a prophet to him. He didn't send a man, a prophet. He sent Gabriel. Gabriel's believed to be one of the archangels. General, you know, him and Michael, as far as I know, are the only ones named in the Bible, other than Lucifer. Lucifer was, was, was you know, he was a, a very high-ranking angel as well. Of course, he's now Satan. But, but he said, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now, 
If you had an angel appear to you with such an announcement, I mean, you prayed for years for a child. And you're going to have one. Wouldn't you want to tell it? Wouldn't you want to tell it? But God pushed his mute button. God pushed his mute button. This is chastening. And this unbelief can happen to any of us. Look at Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus said to them, here he's speaking to the disciples, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove, hence to yonder place and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you, howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Yeah, they couldn't cast out this demon. And they said to Jesus, and Jesus cast them out, and they said, Why couldn't we do it? He said, Because of your unbelief. Your unbelief. Look at Matthew, or Mark 16, verse 14. Mark 16. This is after the resurrection. You know, he's been seen by some. And it says in Mark 16, 14, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now that word upbraid, it's a strong word. It means to find fault. It means to reproach. Reproach severely. I mean, he's, he's kind of chastising them or chiding with them because they didn't believe the, mess, the, the people that saw him. He told them he would rise the third day. Why didn't they believe him? That's easy for us to say. Isn't it? Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3 verse 7 Wherefore as the Holy Ghost saith Today if you will hear his voice Harden not your hearts As in the provocation In the day of temptation in the wilderness When your fathers tempted me Proved me and saw my works forty years Wherefore I was grieved with that generation And said They do always err in their heart They have not known my ways So that I swear in my wrath They shall not enter into my rest Take heed brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He said a heart of unbelief is evil. Just like the children of Israel here. They've all been, they've all been saved out of Egypt. They've all drank of that rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, and they died in the wilderness. They never got to the promised land. Why? Because he didn't believe what God said. When God said, when the spies came back, and Caleb said, let's go up at once, for God hath given them into our hand, they said, we are not able. God said he'd give us a land, let's go in and take it. 
we be not able. We be not able. We be, you know, the problem was they were looking at themselves and not the Lord. That's unbelief. They weren't taking God at his word. They had an evil heart. Verse 18 and 19 again. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. See, unbelief will cause us to fail in our walk with the Lord. It will cause us to compromise the truth, the word of God. It will cause us to fall into sin, to yield to the flesh. Is that not what Eve did? She yielded to her flesh. You know, that was the that was the concern Paul had. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I keep under my body. The word there is interesting. Keep under my body, or under my body. It means to beat one or to wear out one. And the picture is of a boxer who continues to beat his opponent until his opponent yields. Yeah, the boxer that will not yield. And he'll beat and beat and beat till he wears the opponent out. So we've got to beat and beat and beat the flesh and not yield to it. We've got to believe what God says in his word. You know, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And so... You know, the price of doubt is chastening. Let's notice a third thing. The protection against this confusion. Notice in verse 20 it says, And behold, thou shalt be dumb. By the way, some commentators believe he couldn't hear either. We're not sure about that because, you know, that they gave him a, that when they spoke to him and later on they gave him a, he motioned to give them a writing uh, tablet. But anyway, uh, but anyway, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things, notice, shall be performed. You see, the protection against this confusion is faith, believe, take God at his word. We must take God at his word. Believe what God says. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20, last half of that verse says, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Believe the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Psalm 18, verse 30, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler. That buckler means a shield of defense. It's the, it's the shield a soldier will wear in his arm. It's a defense. It's a shield of defense. So he is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Psalm 56, 4. In God I will praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Psalm 119, verse 42. So shall I answer or have wherewith to answer him that approacheth me, for I trust in thy word. Proverbs 35, 30 and verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield on them that put their trust in him. And I like what it says in John eleven forty, speaking to, to, to uh, Martha at the grave of Lazarus. And when, he, when you know, 
she said, you know, he's been dead four days. He stinketh. He said unto her, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. You see, faith is doubt conquered. That's all it is. It's just conquering your doubts. You see, the problem with the children of Israel in the wilderness, they doubted God's word. Eve's problem was she doubted God's word. She questioned it. Abraham and Sarah doubted whether God would actually give them a son. So Sarah gave them Hagar. And here, Zacharias is doubting whether this can really come to pass. After all, I'm an old man. And my wife's well stricken in years. How often we fail to see God glorify himself in our lives because we doubt his word. We doubt it. Faith is simply conquering your doubts. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. <clears throat> See, this is why a lot of people compromise. They fail to believe God's word. They don't think it can work out. Particularly when it comes to their family. If I do that, I'll lose my children. If you don't do it, you'll lose them. That's the way we should look at it. But how often do we look at it, well, if I, if I do that, I'll lose my kids. If I obey the Lord, you know. Uh, you know they, they, they decide what a good church is based upon how many programs you have for their children, whether you can entertain their children or not. That's what a lot of them do. Not where the truth of God is preached. Uh, but First John 5, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ. Notice the word belie- how often the believe- word believeth is in, in, this, in this passage or faith. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ? So faith is believing that Jesus is the Christ and keeping his commandments. And faith, we know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you want your faith to increase, you need to hear the word of the Lord. You need to read the word of the Lord. You need to study the word of the Lord. And you know, God will increase your faith. God will increase your faith. So the protection against this confusion is faith. It's hearing the word of God. Take God at his word. That's something we all struggle with, I know. We all made it the same stuff. And here, 
You know, and I find encouragement in the fact that here's what God says as a man that walks in all the commandments and all the ordinances of the God, the Lord, blameless, and he questioned God. You know, I don't feel so bad now. But that doesn't excuse it. I still need to take God at his word. I don't want to be muted. When I have a grandchild on the way, I don't want to be muted. You know, I don't think I'm going to have any more children. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> the confusion of that. Thirdly, the confession of Zacharias. Go to verse uh, 64. Right, we'll look at the confession now of Zacharias. Verse 64. <clears throat> First thing we see here is that he praised God. Notice in verse 64. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. The word praise there means to celebrate or celebrate with praise. He commended God, he, and he made it widely known. Notice verses 65 and 66. And fear came in all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad through all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So he praised the Lord. He let it be widely known. Psalm 22, verse 23 says, Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all ye seed of Israel. Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 117, verse 1, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. Romans 15, 11. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. We ought to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Make him widely known. When the Lord opened his mouth, he made him known. He praised the Lord. Secondly, he preached Christ. Now, you would think that Zacharias would want to tell about who? His son. That's not, that's not what he did. He preached Christ. Notice in verse 67. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying... Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So he's not talking about John. He's talking about Jesus. John wasn't a descendant of David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hated us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. He preached Christ. Now, understand again, he's, he's kind of preoccupied, preoccupied, preoccupied with the idea of deliverance from the Romans. And that's the greater part of prophecy is about that. A lot of it's about that. So he's kind of preoccupied. So were the disciples. They were occupied with that too. They thought Jesus should deliver them from the Romans. But he also makes reference to the horn of salvation or the house of David and the salvation by remission of sins. Notice verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation to this people by the remission of their sins. 
So, so he preached Christ, you know, and the gospel is still salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, just like it's always been. So he preached Christ. I want you to notice a third thing that he did. He promoted his son's purpose. Or we might say it this way, this way he instructed his son to serve the Lord. Notice verse 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of, thy, of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Here he is. He's instructing his son to serve the Lord, what his purpose is in life. And that is to serve the Lord. And as parents, we, are, we ought to instruct our children into the purpose for which they are alive. They've been given to us. And that is to serve the Lord. Uh, Genesis 18, verse 19. God said of Abraham, for, an I, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken to him. He said, I know he's going to command or he's going to instruct, he's going to admonish his children to keep the way of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, And ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Will be to the father that provokes his child. And doesn't instruct and bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, but we as parents have this responsibility. You know, yes, the responsibility is given to the father, but, but we all... Uh, Fathers and mothers have a responsibility to instruct their children. First Timothy 5.14 says this, I will therefore that young women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Bear children and guide the house. Titus 2.4 and 5, that they may teach young women to be sober, that's talking about the aged women, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That word keepers home means guardian, has the idea of up to guard. Protect. You see, we are to instruct them, our children, to love the Lord. To, to, to realize it's to enjoy serving the Lord, it's a privilege to serve him. If it is burdensome, if it's hard, if it's grievous to serve the Lord, don't expect your children to have any desire to serve him. See, Zechariah instructed his son as to his purpose in life. And that is to serve the Lord. He said, he reminds him, child, thou shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face. He's commanding him. 
what you're to do. What he's to do. He instructed him in his purpose of life, that is, to have a testimony that brings honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Zacharias, though he had his faults, he was just like you and I. He doubted God's word at times. Yet he had this testimony that he was a righteous man walking in all the commandments of the Lord blameless. What kind of testimony do we have? What kind of testimony do we have? Would that be said about us? About our character? You know, do we sometimes struggle with confusion and doubt? What kind of confession do we have? Before the world? Before our children? Do we have a righteous testimony?